Uh, wasn't that a great time of worship? Amen. Yeah, uh, it's a great to be able to worship God together. I don't know, like sometimes we take it for granted, but it's such a great joy and a privilege to find strength in worshiping as the body of Christ. Yeah. Now, before I begin, I just want to say a massive thank you to the staff team and everyone here over the last few weeks who've been putting their hands uh, to you know to work to be able to make a lot of what has been happening with Love Loud. So I want to give each other a hand and a lot of hand. Yeah. So thank you. Well, why don't I get straight into it? Um, for those who are new, my name is Chi. I'm the pastor here at this church, and uh, we've been going through a series through First John called A Light. Uh, and part of it was really to kind of go through a book study, but also to be able to introduce the whole Love Loud uh, initiative around how God has been a light in our life, but how He wants to see the promise of that light beyond us into the community around us. And so over the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Carl kick-started it to talk about Proclaiming the light, we talked about the power of the light, and last week, the people of the light through uh, Pastor Paul. But today, I'm going to talk to you about the promise of the light, and we're going to finish uh, this series today. Uh, but my main emphasis today is to see that God's light is in us, but also through us into our community. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, God doesn't want to just be a light in our life, but God wants to be a light that is seen through our life. And I think it's been so encouraging over the last seven years to see the journey that we've been taking to see that not, not only is God in our life, but now this community is slowly acknowledging God's light through our life. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? So a big congratulations to Nick as well. Let's give him a hand again. Yeah? Uh, and many others. Now, I'm just going to play a, a quick video. This was a video that was um, uh, edited from our um, community dinner that we hosted. And... For those who went there, we managed to get a panel, and on that panel was myself, uh, Bill, as well as the mayor, then mayor of uh, Monash Council, uh, as well as Therese from OC Connections, who works uh, as, a, as part of a disability organization, which we've been helping. So what was a really powerful moment was when they began to share uh, the, and acknowledge the impact that this church and certain individuals had made upon uh, our community and also within their organization. So... I just want you to just watch the screen uh, as you can play that, Richard. Thanks. But what is so special about Monash is the diversity of our community. We have so many people from so many different backgrounds who make up Monash. Over 50% of people who live in Monash were born overseas. The future that I see for Monash is one where our cultural groups do more together. Often it's difficult for people from different groups to mix with others from different groups. So that's where organisations such as churches can come into play. Faith is one thing that can bring people together, that's for sure. We need so much. There is a lot that we need. And I guess one of the main stories and why I'm here is because we're very, very grateful for the church and the work that they've actually done with us. I met Bill a few years ago. He came to offer us some support and I was a bit sus because, you know, you don't often get those sort of offers. Since that time, the church and its congregation have given us so much. First of all, they did a couple of gardens in our homes. The gardens are beautiful. The residents love them. Then came the Christmas trees. Our Christmas tree event was the biggest fundraiser that we had. Um, the church came along and gave us a number of days on weekends and helped us raise money. From there, there was 
some hampers which people just loved. People are not used to getting Christmas presents except the ones that we deliver. It was so well received and things that people would never have expected to get. Tim, I don't, I've never met you, Tim. Tim is a tree man. <laughs> and Tim has come to our organisation and cut down trees and trimmed trees and saved us an absolute fortune and kept people safe. So thank you very much. And Charles. Charles makes the most beautiful coffee, if anybody knows that. Melbourne Coffee Academy. Charles has offered free barista courses for some of our young people with intellectual disability and they've been able to go on and do amazing things. Through its work, and I think I need to say that, through its work and through its practical help, we've just had some amazing support. It's pretty humbling to be part of a community like this, knowing that people are here to support each other and I just think it's really important that we acknowledge that. So what... Wow, let's give the Lord a hand, yeah? So that's the difference that we have made as a community. And so thanks to, to Tim, the tree man. Where are you, Tim? Yeah, who would have ever thought that Tim would be a tree man, yeah? Uh, so you can make a difference even if you can cut a tree, amen, right? Um, but I think that's just really telling. I, and I, I, I am anticipating more and more stories like this as we continue down this path to love loud with no strings attached, yeah? And so today, let's get straight into it. We're going to go into the Word. I'm going to finish off this series talking about the promise of the light. What the promise of the light of God brings into our life, but the difference that makes to the people around us. And we're going to read from the last chapter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 21, and this is what it says. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And that's the word of the Lord. Let me just pray. Lord God, we just really want to pray and come before you right now. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you will be a timely word in season right now, just for us individually, but also as the life of this church, in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone said? Amen, amen. Now, I can sometimes be a forgetful person. Any forgetful people here? Put up your hand. Up high? Oh, wow, there's a lot of forgetful people. I'm glad you didn't forget Sunday, okay? Yeah, don't forget Sunday, okay? Um, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a forgetful person sometimes, you know? Sometimes you might find, like, oh, where did I place my keys? Or what about the times when you walk into a room and then you had an agenda, you walk into the room, then you go, hang on, what? yeah, why am I here? Oh, thank you, right? Maybe that's uh, those who are 60 plus, but it's reaching down to the 40-year-olds, right? You know, uh, but sometimes we forget, and, and there's things that we forget that actually doesn't matter, Right? But there are some things that when we forget can have an impact on the people around us. 
And that's why we set reminders. Who sets reminders? Yeah, I set reminders all the time. I remember these two occasions. Okay, so the first one was this. So um, when my late wife passed away um, many years ago, I was learning how to live life as a single parent. Yeah, learning how to be a senior pastor and managing the whole church, but then also being uh, managing the home with the with the cooking, the cleaning, the schooling, like like. Looking after kids at school is like a full-time job. Can I hear an amen? The amount of emails that you have to go through, right? The times when there's all these events, it's just not made for like working people, right? And it's just like, how on earth do I remember that? So I remember um, we had some credit card points um, and, uh, that my wife had, and I used it to buy an Apple Watch. And the reason I wanted to buy an Apple Watch is so I could set reminders, like, hey, Siri, don't forget you're preaching on Sunday at 10 a.m., you know, set in the calendar. So I'll be like driving around and then being legitimate and just, you know, using my uh, assistant and just setting reminders saying, don't forget, pick child up at 3.15 or set schedule for meeting at 10 a.m. And so it was just a way for me to unload and set reminders so that I don't forget. And then it became a habit that one day at that time, my kids were probably three and six. They were chatting at the back and I remember them having this conversation and I was saying, hey, Siri, set alarm at this. And they look at each other like laughing at one another and saying, dad's setting a reminder so he doesn't forget to pick us up. <laughs> right? Uh, because I cannot tell you how many times that has happened. I'm not kidding. So my youngest at that time was going to, to kinder. And so half his time was at Waverley Christian College in kinder there. And the other half was at another uh, kinder in Wonsurna South. And then I remember, it's like, oh no, it's really late. I had to like shut the... Uh, the Zoom call down and then quickly run and then I'll drive to Waverley Christian College already 20 minutes late, okay? And then all the kids had gone, I'd be rushing in and then all the kindergarten teachers would be looking at me like this and I'd say, Micah, Micah, I'm so sorry I'm late, where's Micah? And then everyone starts getting like scrambling, getting worried, go, Micah, have you seen Micah? Have you seen Micah? And then I started getting worried because Micah wasn't there. Then afterwards, yes, that's right, then they stop and go, Micah's not in today. <laughs> He's in the other kinder. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Here <laughs> yeah, I'm driving to the other kinder. Uh, yes. How many of you guys have forgotten your kids? You know? Yeah? Uh, thank you, honest people. Yeah, yeah, that's right, honest people. Forgetting your kids, okay? Um, but it's a very... Um, that's why we need reminders. <laughs> But I also remember, um, I, I would oftentimes forget sometimes as well, like your wedding anniversary date. Ooh. Well, I remembered it was our second year wedding anniversary yesterday. Yeah? Praise the Lord. Yeah. I'm an old married now, you know, experienced married man. Um, but, you know, I've learned how to set a reminder uh, on your wedding ring. So in case you ever forget... You put your date there. How many of you guys have done that? Yeah? Yeah, smart man. Yeah, some people might be tattooing your finger there, you know? Uh, so you'll never, you'll never ever forget. But, you know, I put that as a reminder, you know? If you see there, there's a few items there. That's a double rainbow. Uh, it was one of the stories where God helped uh, show me and lead me to Eugenia. That date was when we got married. And then there were other reminders in there, you know? Uh, a cross in there. And then now we found our home in each other but only in Christ, yeah? Now, wives are going, why didn't you do that in your wedding ring, in our wedding ring? <laughs> you know. 
Sometimes we forget things that can have an impact on people around us, but that's why we set reminders. But you know, sometimes there are things that we forget about God that can really impact the way we live today. Can I hear an amen? And here John finishes this last chapter giving us reminders. Reminders of the promise of the light of God in our life. And how that impacts our life and the people around us. And we read through that last verses that we shared. It talked about it so many times. We know. Everyone say, we know. We know. It keeps saying, we know this. We know this. We know this. And here John was trying to reassure the believers of Jesus Christ. That we know. These are the promises that God has given us. By having the light of Jesus in our life. We know these things. And he's reminding us so that we can live confidently in our life today. And I want to just walk through this chapter around the four promises that John gives us that can give us confidence in the way we live our life and show the promise of the light through our lives. Is this alright? Yeah? So the first is this. He talks through about the promise of eternity. And here verse 11 says this, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Who has the Son in this house? Put up your hand. You have life. And it says there, whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, everyone say no, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And here John begins to unpack reassuring us and reminding us of the promise of eternity. That eternity is first and foremost a gift from God. It is a gift that is from Jesus Christ. And whoever has faith and belief in Jesus Christ has eternal life. But this eternal life is not something in the future where we get a ticket into heaven or where we have eternity with God. Yes, it is that. It is a promise of a life to come. But eternal life is also of a promise of a life here and now. Because here it says, whoever has the Son has life. Who has life in this house? Amen? Yeah? You have eternal life. And this life comes not just from what Christ has done, but also in Christ. Because you have Jesus Christ in your life, you now have eternal life. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Now this is huge because of this. The promise of eternity Gives us confidence. Everyone say confidence. Confidence to live with hope when life doesn't make sense or feels unfair. Now, I had a haircut this week. Thank you. Is it, thank you. Yeah. I get commentary all the time. You know how I know when to get a haircut? is when Eugenia says it's time for you to get a haircut. Right? And so, I don't know about you, when you're blind like me, when you get a haircut, it, it can be a daunting thing when you go to someone you're not familiar with. Yes, because you take your glasses off and you go, I can't see what they're doing. You know, and then they, they, they take that big round mirror and show the back of your head and you just nod as if you know what you're seeing. It's like, I can still see black somewhere, you know, it's like, yes. But, you know, um, so it's a bit daunting when, you don't have, when you've got glasses and you take it off and they're cutting your hair when someone you don't know. And worse still, when you're having a conversation with a hairdryer and they're crying while they're cutting your hair. So that's what happened to me on Wednesday, right? So here she was, cutting my hair. She was crying. 
And I was going, oh, I hope you don't make a mess of my hair. <laughs> I cared about her, but I cared about my hair. Then I had to come to a point to go, okay, a bad haircut, like this conversation is worth a bad haircut. Okay, this conversation was better. Anyway, so I walked to the hairdresser, and it was one of those mornings where I did not feel like having a conversation. How many of you guys feel like that sometimes? Yeah? Yes, I am unholy, you know? Like, you know, I'm human. But, you know, I, I didn't feel like having a conversation. But then I walked in, someone knew, and she started, and she started talking, and I go, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and then we did. But you know what? We had an amazing conversation. And then she started t- telling me about how she was um, from Cambodia, and she was a refugee um, from the Pol Pot regime and stuff like that. Her family had kind of uh, sought refuge here, and she had lost basically all her family except her older brother who lives here. And then she started sharing, and it was because it was really early in the morning. It was only me, and there was no one else in the shop. And then she just started crying, and she started telling her story. So she uh, is divorced, a single mom working, and she had two sons. And seven years ago, she lost her oldest son at the age of 18 uh, through brain cancer. And she shared the devastation of that and how that has traumatized her. She walked through how unfair it was and thought, why did God let this happen? It felt so unfair. And when the doctor came in to talk about doing chemo and and doing surgery, and when they said there is no cure for this, it won't last for a very long time, she still says that and repeats that line because it was like a death sentence for her. And there was this bitterness, anger, and resentment against the doctor. And he goes, if you've got nothing good to tell me, why are you telling me that? And I could feel her pain. And she talked about how they chose to cremate um, the, the son's um, body. And, and here it was a, 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 an incredible touching story where uh, the son had overheard around another conversation around um, someone who had passed away and had to make a choice between a burial and cremation. And when he had passed away, she was faced with that decision. And then the younger brother came up and said, um, the older brother had told him to tell the mom to choose cremation so she, does, she can save her money. And so in, in some sense, it's a blessing in disguise because now she has the vase with, with the ashes and she would make breakfast for her son every day and talk to him because she can sense that he's with her. I then saw it as an opportunity to share a little bit about my story. But I had cancer too. By God's grace, I'm healed. I lost my late wife. And I just tried to encourage her. It wasn't time to go Bible bash her, but just to say, you know what? You're doing amazing as a single mom. Incredible. But when I sat there, as I was preparing for this message, it brought to my memory this verse. That sometimes we forget the promise of the light that is in our life. We take it for granted. But her story was a reminder that, you know what? Life can be unfair. Amen? Sometimes life doesn't make sense at all. But we can still have hope. Amen? Because the promise of eternity gives us the confidence and the hope when life doesn't make sense or when life feels unfair. And that's why the Bible is filled to say, hey, and here John's reminding you, no matter what it is that you are going through, remember this promise. Let me reassure you of this promise of eternal life. And because of that, we can grieve with hope. Amen? We can have peace in chaos. 
We can have forgiveness when we are hurt by people. And when there's great injustice done to us, we can look to eternity when Jesus comes again for the day of judgment to make all the wrongs right in the eyes of God. Can I hear an amen? And you know what? Being a Christian does not mean that the Christian life is a pain-free life. But it does mean that the Christian life is a Christ-filled life. And we have that as the promise of light. When Jesus came into our life and it says, you without the Son, you have no life. But with the Son, we have life. And all God's people say, and I just felt like to be, take the place of John to remind us today, that remind us so that you don't forget, so that you can have confidence in your life situation right now where you have no idea how it's going to work out. It feels unfair, but you know what? God is there. He's given you eternal life and He can give you life in the here and now. Amen. Now, for some of us here may not know this Christ. You might be in that place where you are stuck. How can you have eternal life today? Confess your sins before our holy God. Turn back to Him and accept Him as your Savior and your Lord. Because the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I hear an amen? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your sins and He rose again the third day. And by believing in this with your heart, confessing with your mouth, and giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and you will have eternal life. And if you want to seek life today, that is where it begins. Because it says, unless you have the Son, you do not have life. But because you have the Son, you have life. Amen? The second reminder is this. Not only the promise of eternity, but the promise of prayer. And here he goes on, and John reminds them and says, this is the confidence. Everyone say confidence. Confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know, everyone say, we know. We know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. And here, pray, here he offers the promise of prayer. And what the promise of prayer does, it enables us to put our confidence in God and not just in ourselves and other people. Confidence in God and not just in ourselves and other, and other people. You know, my son, Micah, he's eight years old. I was driving him to school this week sometime. And there was something that was happening in our life and I was just going... He was asking all these questions about what would happen in the future and all that kind of stuff. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And he, Michael likes to plan for the whole day. He's like, what's going to happen after dinner? What's going to happen? He keeps asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then, then in an offhanded statement, so carefree, he goes, but God knows. It's like this reminder. And I was turning my heart to acknowledge that sacred moment. Then he just, within seconds, he goes, Oh, bird, bird. Do you see the bird? <laughs> and it just all dissipated. <laughs> but yet, it was like a sacred moment where it's like, I don't know. But God knows. It's just such simple childlike faith. Because you see, prayer is not wishful thinking. Prayer is not hoping against hope. Prayer is not dreaming big. Prayer is not a desire to fulfill all our wants. Prayer is not using God as a genie rubbing the land to get God's attention so that you can get what you want. 
Prayer is for us to get our eyes and our heart from the ground to see as God sees, to feel as God feels, and to want as God wants. Can I hear an amen? And here, I use this phrase that the promise of prayer does this, just like in that moment. You can try and work it out with your head. You can try and sort it out with your mind. But you know what? There are things in our life that we have to be reminded about the promise of prayer. I praise God that we have a God that we can pray to. Amen? Who else could I go to? Who else can we go to to make a difference in our life? I remember many years ago when our church was going through some conflict, I was being mentored by one of the pastors in Crossway. And he talked about this, what gossip is, right? Christian gossip. Because you know, sometimes when there's conflict, gossip happens, yeah? Even in Christian circles, yeah, fair enough. But he said this, which I thought was so powerful. He goes, gossip is when you talk to someone about something that they have no power to make a difference about it. Is that powerful? And I'm like, I think it's gossip. Because why tell the person? Why talk to the person about it? They can't do anything about it. Why talk to them? Because you want to vent and you want to talk. And especially in conflict, what's the point? But what's this got to do with this? But you know what? We don't gossip to God when we pray. We come to the one who can make a difference about it. Can I hear an amen? Where there might be things in our life that is outside our control and our ability to know, our ability to twist and turn. But you know what? We have an ear to the one who makes all the difference in the world. And I thank God for the promise of prayer. That we can come to Him knowing that He listens and knowing that we receive the requests of what we have asked when we ask according to His will. And that's the conditions that it sets here for us. The conditions, it says here, that if, everyone say if, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And then we know with confidence that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. And that's why prayer, when we come to God, God places conditions that we must confess unconfessed sins. We must soften our hearts. We must pray in God's will. That's why I say prayer is not us twisting God's arm, but it is us being able to see as God sees, feel as God feels. Want as God wants. Because answered prayer will always be for God's glory and our good. And so that's why I summed it up. The promise of prayer enables us to put our confidence in God. And not just in ourselves and other people. Now sometimes, where is your confidence placed in? Is it placed in your position? Is it placed in your decision-making ability to make the right decisions? Is it placed in the people that you know or is it placed in God? Because you know what? There are some things in life where we don't know and sometimes we will feel we get stuck. There might be decision-makings that we have to make and we're at a crossroad. There might be relationships that we're struggling with and not reconcilable. And how do you change the heart of another person? There might be an uncertainty about your future. There might be struggle with your personal health. There might be job challenges and issues that you are facing. And maybe sometimes we just need that reminder like Micah said, oh God knows. As a reminder uh, for us to turn back
back to God to pray. I praise God for the team that I have, and especially for Chucky and Paul, who I confide in. And you know what? Because as a leader, you have a position of authority. You have a position of decision-making power. But sometimes you forget that even though you have that, you have this illusion of control as if you can control things. It's true, you have authority to make decisions, but you can't control everything. Because only God can. And when we pray, it's about surrender. It's about surrendering to the reality that I was never really in control. I have some decision-making power, but only God is in control. And so when we are reminded here, John is saying, remember the promise of prayer. Because we can go to the one who is in control of everything. And we surrender in prayer, not just because God is powerful, but at the end of the day, because I really believe that God is good. Can I hear an amen? amen? Do you believe that God is good? So therefore, whatever He says and answers will always be for His glory and our good. The third thing is this, the promise of overcoming sin. And here, it talks about this. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life, but there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know, everyone say we know. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because they're book to follow? No, because we're God's children. And also because God's Son holds you securely. And the evil one cannot touch you. Can I hear an amen? We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And here, the third promise gives us the confidence that we have someone who helps us avoid messing up our lives as we walk through life's challenges. Here, the Bible actually begins to unpack talking about sin. Talking about a fellow believer sinning away. It makes this distinction. A sin that does not lead to death and a sin that leads to death. So I just want to unpack that so we can understand the scripture and then move on to its application. Okay? But here, he's not talking about the occasional sins. He's not talking about us falling back into the habit of our old ways, our fleshy ways. But it's talking about the habit and the practice and the consistent lifestyle of sin. And here, what does it mean when we talk about a sin that leads to death? When you read the commentaries, people talk about it in two ways. One of it can be the sin that leads to death is some actions and decisions that we make that can ultimately lead us to physical death. Yeah? So for example, if you keep smoking non-stop, what's going to happen? There's a chance you're going to get lung cancer. Right? Or if you keep speaking negatively to your relationship with your children, what do you think is going to happen into that relationship? It's going to end up in relational death. It's not just talking about physical death, but it's also talking not just about those kind of category of practice and habit of sinning, but it's also talking about a heart. The heart that has ignored the promptings of God. The heart that is unrepentant. The heart that has hardened its heart against the voice of God that is willfully, continuously wanting to walk in unrepentant sin, regardless of how much warnings and emphasis the Lord gives to us, to the point that no amount of warning 
will ever stop you from continuing down that path. Amen? We see that with Pharaoh, right? No matter what God did through Moses, Pharaoh's heart was so hardened, it was only going to go in one direction. And here, it's talking about that kind of sin that leads to death. But the emphasis here is not so much about that, but the emphasis is in the bowl. But we are not like that. Can I hear an amen? Because we know we are God's children. And because of that, God has given us a new heart, new desires, new wants, new actions, new desires. And so therefore, we don't make it a practice of sinning. Now, how many of us, when we became a Christian, we became conflicted? Before, you used to enjoy sin, but now you're double-minded. How many of us have been double-minded? Put up your hand. Yeah? You know what? To some degree, that's a good thing. Because now, before that, you weren't conflicted. You're walking that way, no problems. But now, you're conflicted. Because God has put His DNA in you to know what holiness is and the path of righteousness to give you new desires. Now it's just battling between what God wants and what you want and going through on that journey of becoming more like Jesus. But here, the emphasis it talks about is that we know that we are God's children and we do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's Son holds us securely and the evil one cannot touch us. Now this is the application I want to go into. That's why I put it in this phrase. In this verse, he gives us the promise that we have a God who helps us overcome sin. And one of the things where sin begins to flourish in our life is when there's sin around us and when there's messiness and challenges. Amen? How many of us, when someone's speaking an angry word to you, says, okay, off the bat of my own hat, here's my other cheek. Right? How many of us do that? Naturally. Not that easy. It's in those moments when someone's doing that to you, what do you do back? You lash out back in return. Yeah? And when I look at the stories of people's lives, whether it might be domestic violence, whether it might be a distance in marriage, whether it might be a relational conflict at work, when you hear the stories, it is the impact that sin in our hearts has on the world around us. Can I hear an Amen. And then when you have sin, responding with sin, responding with sin, you have a big mess. And that's why Jesus Christ came. Not just to solve the situations on a superficial level, but to heal our hearts from the plague of sin. And since He silly saved us from that, He not only saves us from it, He keeps us from it. Can I hear an amen? And here, the verse is saying, but you are God's children. You don't have to practice sin anymore. Because why? You have God who helps you overcome sin. And so the practical outworking of that is therefore have confidence that you have someone who can help you avoid messing up your life as you walk through life's challenges. We don't have to return to our old behaviors because God actively helps us change. We don't have to fall back to old patterns because God actively helps us overcome our sins. I mean, think about it. There might have been times where your conscience is pricking up and it says, don't click that button. Don't click that button. That is God through the Holy Spirit trying to help you overcome your sin. What about our community? Around here, our community begins to share with us one another and it helps us, speaks to us. Now, I remember 
sometimes as a father, you know, and my sons are growing up, we can have a bit of arguments sometimes. But I remember having dinner with Joe and Yin. Are you guys here? Joe? Yeah? Yeah? But you know what? We were having dinner, and then they just shared, and it was so life-giving, because I realized, actually, sometimes when I get frustrated as a father, it's because I feel I don't get respect. How many of you guys feel that? Put up your hand. Anyone? Yeah? You feel you don't get respect, so because that, you get angry. Right? And because you had a powerful dad, right, adult, you exercise control to get that respect, and you end up in arguments. But when I was talking to Yin and Joe, they were sharing about, I was doing two things, where God was actively helping me overcome and not continuously make, you know, if you keep sowing in this direction, conflict in your relationship. Two things. Number one, in Ephesians it says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children by how. Everyone say how. How you treat them. And in that, when I read that, all of a sudden God was convicting me. He goes, how you speak to your son matters. Can I hear an amen? It's not about the what, what the issue is. Maybe, Chi, the issue is, is the how. How you're doing it is causing frustration. It's like, oh. And then the second one was then, that conversation with Yin and Joe, they're saying, oh, we realize when we are in those moments that our sons are men too. And they need respect too. And perhaps sometimes as fathers, the way we speak to our children doesn't give them respect. And so you have one young man needing respect in the way God's designed, fighting. And an older man wanting respect, fighting. And then we fight, we fight, we fight, we fight, and we end up in a spiral. Amen? But yet that was God through community. God through His Word helping me say, Chi, I want you to flourish in your relationship with your son. Let me help you. Can I hear an amen? Whatever it is that you're going through right now, two warnings. One is this. Do not walk the path of sin that leads to death. Soften your heart. I felt in prayer, it's just that conviction, you might be down that path, but the Lord wants to remind you, do not harden your heart against Him, but soften it so that you can respond and turn back to Him and He will prevent you from making a mess out of your life. And the second thing is to have the confidence that we have a God who helps us avoid messing up our lives as we walk through challenges. Is this okay? Amen? Last one. The promise of true life. If I can get um, Danny up, that'd be awesome to help me in the background padding. You guys remember this? Matrix, yeah? Blue pill, red pill. So anyway, this is what it says. And it finishes off here. And we know that the Son of God has come. And He has given us understanding so that, everyone say, we know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and He is eternal life. And it finishes off with this kind of weird kind of ending. It says, so, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Yeah? I've kind of mulled on this scripture for a little bit and it can be a bit confusing. But this is the best way I can put it. Here John is saying, I've given you the opportunity to know the true God. You know the true God. You can live in fellowship with the true God. 
I've given you the promise of true life. And so therefore, when you live this life, the Christian life is the real life. Can I hear an amen? The Christian life is the true life. Every other thing that the world promises is an empty promise. But the promises of God is true. It is true. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. It is true that when you lay down your life, you will pick it up. It is true that there is strength and power in forgiveness. It is true that those who are weary and doing good do not give up. Because at the right time, you will reap a harvest. It is true that we can grieve with hope. It is true. It is true. It is true. But sometimes, when we live in this life, and the world around us, there are so many what we call idols. Things that take the place of God in our hearts. That gives us these promises. If you pursue this, you will be happy. If you give your attention and thoughts and emotions to this, you will be secured. If you do this, this is all yours. I hear John finishes off with this great promise of the true life. And with this promise, we have this confidence that we can avoid the empty promises of the world and build our lives on something that is real and truly matters. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? I'll finish off with these two stories. I read this in a book and I thought it was a great illustration. So there was a pastor who came up and he had a, a, probably a better setup than I have right now in terms of uh, this illustration because I only thought about this last minute. But he had a whole list of items on the, on the stage. And on this stage, he began to put a sticker And this sticker represents things that you spend your emotions, time, and energy investing into. So imagine this is your possessions. Imagine this is your house. And then imagine this is your career. And then imagine this is your finances. I I don't have anything here, so I'm going to do that. And he listed and he put this sticky pad on all the things that oftentimes distract us, capture our emotions and our thoughts and our energy and dominate our thoughts as the scripture says. But when you get closer to it, you know what was written on it? Temporary. Everyone say temporary. It will not last it will fade away. We invest our emotions in them because when we acquire it, it gives us a little thrill and we think that thrill will last, but it does not. It fades. And eventually, so will what we require. If you're living for what you see up here, then you are living for what? Temporary satisfaction? Temporary fulfillment? Temporary meaning? It will come to an end and it will leave you with a terrible sense. Temporary, temporary, temporary. 
But yet, by God's grace, we have the promise of true life. So we can avoid the empty promises of the world. And so instead of temporary, we have forever. And the blue represents forever. The Word of God. Can I hear an amen? We have forever. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. And we are forever. And that is people. Duk. You're last to 105 years old. We have Helen. We have Edmund. Forever. Everyone say forever. Prabhaka. Everyone say forever. Amanda. That is the promise of true life. Avoid the empty promises of the world. And let us start investing our lives on things that will last and really matters. And this is the last story. I promise, last story. Last story. It's still 11.20. Okay. When I was younger, I remember um, Amanda and Tang, are you guys here? We did a video years back, years back, and we used to do this time capsule. You do a video, put it into a time capsule and bury it. I don't even know where it is right now. But I remember vaguely being asked one of the questions, what's my fear or something like that. And one of my biggest fears is building my life and climbing a ladder on a wall that will crumble eventually. Like, what is the point? What is the point of building my life, spending 50 years of my life, the most expensive investment that you could ever make on a wall that will crumble? Because I want to build my life on a wall and climb the ladder on the right wall. Can I hear an amen? But I live in this tension. Yeah, sure, God saved me, God healed me, God called me into what I did, I'm doing. But if I was to be open and honest with you, there are times where I go, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? If I lived another life and I chose another path, what could my life look like? Because the things of this world can take the place of God in your life. You could be more happy. You could have more comfort. You could travel more. You could pursue this other kind of career. You could do this. You could do that. But I still always remember, and I still sometimes struggle with that. But it was this question that Omar Jawandi from years back, how many of us remember Omar from SIM, S-I-M? He was the CEO of this organization. He was a doctor. He gave his life and began to pursue uh, his calling in church missional global work. And he wrote a book called Redefining Success. And I remember he preached here in this church many years ago. And he talked about how he had given up all his affluence as a doctor and then he pursued uh, this missional kind of endeavor in a global organization. And he remember going to a hotel and this hotel was filled with opulence, great food, and he walked in and then there was this guy who was holding like a cloth or something for him to wipe his hands. And, and he saw the gold and the luxury and he goes... In that moment of contrast, asking himself, is it worth it? And then God convicted him that that is the wrong question. The question is not, is it worth it? 
but is He worth it? Can I hear an amen? That has always stuck in my mind. Because you know what? If I was to go, is it worth it? Sometimes, some days, I'll say no. But if I was to go, is He worth it? I would say, heck yes. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? So why don't we all rise to our feet? We're going to sing this song as a prayer in response to the message and to the close of this series. That I want you to see that today I am like John trying to bring this reminder through the scripture of the promises of eternity. The promises of prayer. The promises of God overcoming sin and the promises of true life so that you realize that you have this promise of a light in you so that we can live differently in the world around us. As we go to Love Loud, as we engage into Christmas, for people to see that there is a difference. Can I hear an amen?